Hey everybody, it's Tracy Brown and uh, Mary Sue Foster and I are going to have a candid conversation. What's a candid conversation? Well, it's just that. It's unscripted, unedited. We have not talked about what we're going to talk about other than to say that as part of the reason that so many people have joined the What Is Mine To Do Facebook page, people want to know how to navigate in this world where race-based hatred and violence is still so prevalent. So everyone I'm having candid conversations with has been invited to come on and talk about their experience with race, racism, or race relations, and why they're motivated to take action and to share some tips or ideas based on their successes or their failures. So just really briefly, Mary Sue Foster is an amazing woman. She is a, a Dallas-based activist, to use her word. But what I know about Mary Sue is that she has for decades been involved in making this world a better place. And that has taken so many different avenues that if I started naming them, we would be doing that for the next 15 minutes. So instead of that, I'm just going to say welcome, Mary Sue. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> so you know all about the beginnings of what is mine to do. And around the same time, you were uh, beginning a little adventure called Every Voice 2016. So I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But what I really want, want you to share first is um, why does it matter to you that we do something positive to end race-based hatred and violence? Uh, you know, that I know that this is kind of a cop-out, but that, I think that's really a complicated question. And I just had a long conversation with a friend, my friend Stan, who you know, about uh, when our beliefs begin, because it seems like when you have them, it's like they've always been there. Like there wasn't a beginning for them. And um, I don't think that I had some kind of epiphany that, you know, hit me on the head and I went, oh, this is something that's important. It just seems like it's something that's been around for a long time for me. And, um, I grew up, I was an army brat growing up, and um, we were integrated, and um, uh, we had African Americans and other groups living in housing with us. We rode the bus with them, we were in school with them, we were in Girl Scouts with them. Um, it was a different era of race relations. It was an era when you did not say that someone was black or African-American. It was, it was that, that time. But they were included in all the things that we did. We did sleepovers. They went camping. Uh, they came in the house and used the bathroom. I wasn't, there wasn't any distinction. And I think I was kind of surprised, maybe in the 60s when I started to spend more time away from home, that there was another thing going on. And um, I remember watching um, 
you know, watching unrest on TV and the evening, evening news and wondering what in the world possessed grown-ups to behave that way. It was like, really, I probably had almost those exact words. Why would somebody do that? I couldn't understand what the motivation was for so much hatred. I, I still am in that position. Um, so it just has always seemed to me from the time of a young child, and, and that position has gotten richer and more informed and more profound and more um, deeply felt in, in all these years. But it's still there. It's, it's still very much that's, that's the heart of it. Like I, I could never, not just about race relations, but all the, all the things about um, gender and sexual identity and uh, like why why would why would somebody be that way not why would somebody be that way but why would somebody object to somebody that that was the expression of their life for them yes so they're all like tangled up like and un, 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 so deeply tangled up and tied and bound to each other that it would be really hard to just pull out one one thread and say that's why what race relations are important. Yeah, and that makes complete sense. And I don't think I knew that you grew up in the in a military family. I, I don't think I knew that. But it makes perfect sense that that exposure planted a seed of the reality that all of us can get along, even though we may be very different. And we can do more than get along. We right. can actually have our lives woven together in ways that for you are normal, even if there, there are a lot of people in this country and in the world who think it's not normal. Right. And that's right. fascinating. And so you're, I agree with you that it's sometimes really hard to pull out race, racism, race relations. Um, and at the, at the same time, sometimes it's really easy when people are being shot or when there is violence that is being expressed from that perspective, that race is the issue, the challenge. Um, right, when it's really the target of the, of the violence, it's hard to look the other way. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of the things that we talk about actually would apply if we were looking at any other group as well. Because, um, yeah, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. Yes. So, um, yeah, let's jump to 2016, and then we can go backwards. So, or 2015, technically, after yeah. the shootings in Charleston, when this idea of what is mine to do took, its own, took on its own life, and became a place for people to share ideas and tips and resources for doing something in our own individual lives. Um, that came up for me, um, but every voice came up for you. Can you share that story? Yeah, it's interesting that the uh, genesis of both of them were very, very close together um, because I, I woke up the morning after the shooting in Charleston, pretty much having um, every voice formulated in my head. 
Um, I wanted to provide a safe place to talk about race specifically, but also to talk about human rights and justice um, that brought together people beyond their usual gathering limits. You know, like we all have, I hope we all have, a group that we're comfortable with. It might be church, it might be a civic organization, it might be our family. And we, we talk there because it's a safe place. And I wanted to have a place that was bigger and broader than that, where people had an opportunity to um, unpack and go to work on, that was an essential part of it, go to, go to work some way, on, um, on these issues that have um, really paralyzed our, our culture. They're, they're, I think they're part of, that race is one of the key elements now that has so polarized this uh, country and around the world, really, and um, that it would be that it would be really useful to have a safe place to do that. And I thought that um, I would have some guest speakers. I thought first I thought I'd do it four times in in 2016. That I would have some guest speakers who knew what they were talking about and who were good facilitators. And um, that I would, just, I would just invite everybody that I knew in Dallas, in, in Dallas area, and everybody that they knew, just really throw the doors open and see, and see who would come. And that was, the, that was the beginning of Every Voice 2016. Like, and that, that idea, of, there are two things I really want to highlight here. One, that was a great idea. And you, as an individual, said, I, I'm going to make this happen. And I think that's a model that we all need to pay attention to, that when we have this intuition to take action, it may seem like, wait a minute, I'm just one person. I, I can't make an event happen. But no, that intuition came to you you know, to that individual, it's like, no, you're supposed to make that happen. And it's not about whether it's something that's going to be going on for 20 years. It's about follow that lead and open the door and see what rushes in. Um, and then the second thing that, as I listen to you, I'm reminded of and want to highlight is this idea of, um, you said, unpack and go to work on especially the go to work on that so often what happens is people have an idea or they think about it or they may even talk about how upset they are or how concerned they are but the go to work part and i think that's what so many people who are involved in following what is mine to do the facebook group they're people who want to go to work on it. They want to do something and that doesn't necessarily mean um, protest in the streets or, you know, go the political route. What are things they can do right. in their own individual lives that actually will um, raise the bar? Yeah. So. It's interesting, Tracy, because the. the um the what is mine to do is such a good companion piece, is such a good companion piece. The thing that, um, you know, I've been active my whole 
life, you know, my, my whole career. And um, people would come up to me after a speech or a workshop or whatever and say, oh, Mary Sue, um, you're active in so many ways and you have so many resources, or whatever they would say, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I just, I, can't, I don't know where to start. I'm just frozen. I can't find something to start. And I always would want to go, um, well, actually what I wanted to go was not suitable for public consumption. But it was like, come on, man, you're a grown up. Just pick one and do it. You know, just pick one. Go to your neighborhood association. Go to the library. Go to this meeting. Go to church. Read a book. You know, do something and reach out and make a connection. Because I think that, um, A, there's a lot of work to do. There's a, there's a ton of work to do. But, B, there are millions of people to do it. There, there are, are millions of people, and I know some of them are sitting at home on their bed playing video games, but there's a huge number that aren't, that really would like to go to work. And my premise about going to work, as you also know, is um, I have some favorites. I have some issues that I think are really important and timely and, and priori priority, but I think that if what you think is really important is building a little lending library on your front lawn, that's what you should do. You should do that and invite your neighbors and see what happens. Like you said earlier, open the door and see who comes in. You know, just do something. Don't just sit there, do something. And it's almost anything. I think almost anything would, would get a check mark from me that you did something. <laughs> Yeah, it is very frustrating to me as well how many people feel uh, 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 they are immobilized. I mean, yeah. they, they're so out of the habit of taking action beyond what they've been told to do or assigned to do that it really is not natural, it's not their nature. And so once I realized that, it really helped me not be in judgment about it and to really calm that same irritation that you feel, you know, mm -hmm. that, and I've seen you as well do the same thing. Like inside you're going, what do you mean you need help? Just do it, do something. <laughs> but the experience part of, you know, of our minds and hearts is that, no, this person really honestly that's not been their pattern. And so it's not a babying. It's just like, no, here are some opportunities and here are some ways to show up in the world. And if each one of us just does one thing or takes one issue or concern and moves into that for positive change, we don't have to worry about the world moving in a positive direction. It's got to happen that way. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm stealing your uh, phrase. Um, you said something about being paralyzed yeah. and then polarized. Yes. And so um, I'm going to do, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but you're going to see it on the What Is Mine to Do Facebook page sometime. Okay soon where I do something with polarized and paralyzed or paralyzed and polarized because I like alliteration and those two are, you know, we are as a nation and as a culture so wrapped up in 
polarization that people often out of fear are paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. So um, can you think of a, of a time, well, I know you have so many examples of times when you've had a great success or when something didn't work. And you know, on the one hand, it seemed like a failure, but you really learned something about building these bridges um, between people of different races or cultures. So a tip that comes from that. Um, you know, if there were, I, 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 well, of course I have a lot of examples of both sides, but it, I would say that a tip that comes from all of those experiences is to um, uh, pick up the pieces and keep going. I notice sometimes that my ideas, and every voice is a good example of that, so I really wanted to have four sessions over the course of the year. And after the second session, um, I don't know how you would measure the energy, but I put a huge amount of energy into organizing a third session. And it just did not want to happen. And um, uh, it just didn't. I, I don't... I, even now, I don't even know what to point to about it, but it, it was not not coming together. And there was a time um, that I would have just kept going no matter what. I, w I don't even know what now what I would have done, and I didn't know then. But I would have just kept going and just really, really pushed on it. And what I, what I could see in that particular instance and in almost every instance where I've run into a wall is that there are little pieces left of the original idea that are uh, blooming in other places. I've always thought of myself as kind of a, a seed planter, you know, kind of a jo Johnny Appleseed, um, throw stuff over my shoulder and, you know, see if something sprouts back there. And, and about the time I was working really hard on getting that thing to come together for a third time is when Surge, showing up for racial justice, um, even though they'd been here in Dallas for about a year, they really came up to the forefront because that's when we had the, the police shootings in Dallas in that same time frame. And, and they were young and energized and had a national model and uh, some visibility and um, and used some of the same places that I was connected to. And I went, well, there you go. That's just, that's it. I didn't plant the seed for Surge, but the, but the work that I was doing was so similar and had so many shared goals with what they were doing that I just went, let's just move over there. Let's just pick up our campsite and move over there. And, um, and I think that that's uh, a, a learning that I have from a lot of experiences in my life. And sometimes they're not so neatly put together. Sometimes I abandon something or it doesn't work out or whatever. And it's a long time before it looks like something has sprouted from the, you know, from that same activity. So there's almost always some little, seed somewhere that's still worth fertilizing and uh, bringing back to life in another form. I think that was like the champion number of metaphors in one sentence. <laughs> I love that as an example, though, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, when you're really clear about what you're doing and why you're doing it, 
you can see it birth itself or evolve itself into a completely different form that you had never ever imagined but the journey you know the journey had to happen the way it happened to get to that point so in that example you know having every voice one and 2016 one and 2016 two also helped you know the energy the energetic of oh of course we're going to do this and and the your i agree with you the match between what was happening with every voice and what began to happen with surge that's like divine timing in you know actually mm -hmm. why fight it and that it's not a failure it's an evolution yeah the other thing is tracy i think that um and this is something i've learned more in my old age than in my young days is that um, there are really a lot of leaders there's a, and there's a lot of leaders that are ready to um, step into bigger leadership roles and i saw that that was one thing with surge i've been on national phone calls with them for about a, a year and i was so impressed i don't know how old really the people were but they sounded like they were about 28 on the telephone and so there's all this young energy and people who come out of occupy and all of these other like really really assertive movements and had learned how to put all that together and i just went okay so every every voice did whatever it did you know in the time that, that it was there and um i'm glad to have other people step in and i've really taken a minor role in surge i i really i'm on there it's a very loosely organized group I'm, I'm on their kind of board um but i'm not very active there there's a whole bunch of young people in there i i mean some of them are young they're 45 and 50 but they're younger than me and they're and they're ready to go man they're ready to go and they're doing that work that's really important yeah it's exciting to see um different people from different generations working together and so it is true in in the dallas fort worth area of surge to have you know people who are in their 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s and 70s all involved in different ways and having the primary leadership come from folks who are in the middle of that group not the oldest and not the youngest um, yeah. is is really powerful and it just struck me that um there could be someone who is uh listening or watching the video who is not familiar with surge and <laughs> doesn't know that the acronym and so all throughout the country wherever you are living it's worth and it's worth the time to see if there is a search chapter if you're at all interested in um moving toward anti-racism and uh, being involved in activities that both educate and change and surge is s-u-r-j showing up yeah for, thank you. <laughs> showing up for racial justice so you can google that and um and find it out if there's a chapter wherever you live. So um, one of the most difficult things about doing these candid conversations is that I know everybody I talk to, I could talk to them for two or three hours, we could do a whole workshop. But I made a commitment to keep these to 45 minutes or shorter because uh, we're also busy and I want people to have enough time to, to feel like it's not a burden on their time to, 
just tap into the conversation. So we've tapped into a little tiny, tiny bit of a, of a conversation, but I want to, I don't want to close without asking you if there is, you know, any one key point you want to make or that you want to be sure to share with folks who are listening about what it is to do. Wow, one point is really hard. <laughs> I guess my one point would be to never, never, never give up. Oh, I love that. Um, I know that's a cliche also. Um, when I interviewed for a job in Berkeley when I was going to seminary out there, one of the board members asked me what I did when I, uh, you know, like got disappointed and overwhelmed. And um, I actually had to think for a minute because I mostly don't get disappointed and overwhelmed because there's always something to do. There's, al there's always a little place to go in and, and, you know, make another connection or do something else. That's what I would say is never, never, never give up. I love that. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Just make a right turn or a left turn or look around the corner or climb the next hill. I think that is absolutely important and valuable advice. And I'm so glad that uh, I get to talk to you just about any time I want to. And Me too. Me too. <laughs> but it's Thank you for all you do for this world, Tracy. It's really something. Oh, thanks. So uh, I get to share you with the What Is Mine To Do audience. For anyone who is listening to the recording or watching the recording and you're like, what is mine to do? Just go to Facebook and do a Facebook search for what is mine to do. It's a public group and its purpose really is not to preach or rant or any of that, but to educate and to empower everyone to take action in their part of the world to reduce or eliminate race-based hatred and violence. If we create a world where there is more equity, where there is mutual respect and there are healthy relationships, we can change the world. <laughs> so thanks, Mary Sue. I love you and uh, we'll be in touch. Bye, Tracy. See you around. <laughs>